Hey, welcome to season three of Workplace Trends with Liz Elon. For this season, we're concentrating on the real estate industry. Let's talk about the future of everything real estate. And if you want to learn more about the flexible workspace industry or the future of co-working, you should be following us at gcuc.co. That is our website. You can sign up for our mailing list. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and you can find me on LinkedIn. My name is Liz Elam, E-L-A-M, which is also mail spelled backwards. So there you go. Interesting fact. Okay, let's get to it. Workplace Trends with Liz Elam starts now. Hey, welcome to Workplace Trends. We're focusing on real estate. So of course, I called up my friend, John Williams, who's the CMO of Instant. And, you know, John, I just have to ask you straight off the bat, how the hell are you? I'm good. I, you, you may not have heard over in the States, or maybe jealous of this, but our summer hasn't started in the UK yet. It's been raining. It's basically winter here. Um, wow. Yeah, it's continued. I'm wearing fleeces most day and we're still waiting for the summer to arrive. So one day, we're hopeful then, you know, it's July now, you never know. Well, feel free to pop across the pond because we've got this heat thing covered over here in the U.S. right now, coast to coast. It's hot oh, as hell. I'm not even sure legally I could do that if I wanted to. We're still kind of locked <laughs> down, so, but one day, maybe yeah. next year. Yeah. So tell me, like, where is the UK right now in the lockdown? So it, it's it's a funny year. I think there's so much optimism because our vaccine program, like the States, has gone really well. You know, I think 85% of the population is vaccinated or had one vaccine. And funnily enough, and this is really geeky of me, but we've actually compared uh, workplace demand and supply versus the vaccination rates. And we, we pulled the data for the US to look at there's a correlation between the two. And there is actually a very loose correlation between the, the way the deaths were workplace demand goes up compared to how much a state is vaccinated, which is pretty cool. Oh, so interesting. Vaccines have a direct impact naturally on on business confidence and how we feel. So I think the UK feels bullish. Generally, the workplace market feels very bullish, if not a bit nervous about this kind of way everyone's building up September in their minds, the return to the office moment. So I think that will be, that's the next kind of big staging point. Let's see how that goes. I think you guys are thinking about like post-Labor Day as your big moment, right? Yeah, you know, quite frankly, I've been super amazed sitting in Common Desk here in Austin, Texas. A few months ago, there were four offices taken. Now there's two available and that's 20 offices. And there's basically a run on office space right now, which is weird. We've never had a run on office space in June before. But people, you know, I think, I think, you know, the kids were home for a year. And I think that now the kids are home for the summer and lots of people got to get out of their house. You know me, Liz, we, we always have kind of very optimistic conversations. And I do try and look at the data before we talk to make sure I can give you an objective view, mm-hmm. Re- really. But I, we've, I've been optimistic the whole way through because we've never seen the numbers to suggest things are going to get really bad. And mm-hmm. we, we had a look recently again, uh, say occupancy data in the UK. It, it's really good. I'm, I'm having problems selling it to journalists because they say, look, surely this can't be right. <laughs> Occupancy levels are really that that high in, in workspace. Like, yeah. 
And I verify it by speaking to operators here locally and anyone else I speak to on a global basis. And, you know, we're getting through this, right? Mm -hmm. It does seem to be positive and demand in our global markets. The last three months has been crazy. And and that's straight up objective. I'm not trying to pitch to anyone here. Yeah, yeah. It's been a record few months and we're hearing it again from operators. It's been a really impressive time. So if it's like this now, fingers crossed September, October, we'll be really firing and, and be in a place like more like 2019 again. Oh, totally. I feel like there's going to be wait lists. I've told operators that I feel like what they should be doing right now is looking at like, where are you going to expand to when you're full? Because that's going to happen. And we've been predicting that since the day this thing started because corporations have discovered it. But I want to like take us back a second and reset because you quote a lot of awesome data. And I'm just curious if you could break it down. And if you don't have it this way, don't worry about it. But I'd love to, first, I'd love to hear where where you're thinking the term flexible workspace is like does that encompass co-working and office space now because i'm a little i'm a little confused because i feel like the flexible workspace has just become the new nomenclature to cover everything but i also feel like you know full disclosure before we get into that like you are the judge during executioner on this one so if i get the co-working <laughs> definition wrong i'm in so much trouble because you, you have like the, you are the global view but the thing is to me the only thing that differentiates co-working from any other space is that there's a focus on community. That's it. Super simple. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, you're completely right. I, I think we, we at Instant now amalgamate them increasingly. And I think what's, and that's not a political decision. It's it's more in the thinking about like the client. I think mm-hmm. client has become more attuned to what they're looking for. Co-working is one way of describing it. Mm-hmm. I think the quality of flexibility is what they're after. I'm seeing more co-working spaces that are putting private desk space in because Mm -hmm. of people trying to get out of their home, as you say, and businesses coming together and the reason why they're using the space. Now, of course, community is one thing and being around other people is critical now, having spent a year apart, as it were. Mm -hmm. But there's there's still the need sometimes for privacy and concentration and so on. So I saying my local local hood here in in the outskirts of London, quite a few of the operators who I've been to see recently, they're putting a lot of private desk space in, actually, because that's where the field demand's coming from. And, you know, it's so interesting because I've seen a mix and we've seen it be what we think is very regional specific. So for instance, when I went back to the office, the last thing I want to do is put myself in a little cube and close the door. I want to be out amongst the people and I want the expansiveness of an open space. I want to feel like that air is moving, right? That's important to me now. And so for me, I'm all about, I want to be in the open space, but we've heard there's tons of demand for private office. And so but when we look at it, it feels like it's regional. Do you guys see that at all in the numbers? Are you tracking that at all? Right. The, the, the demand for types of space is regional or just overall the demand is, is coming from the regions? The types of space people want is regional. So maybe in the suburbs, they want private office. Maybe in the city, they want open. Uh, that's that's what I, I, I would agree with, actually. And it's it's always hard to generalize on these themes. But I would mm-hmm. definitely say that there's been this, this kind of move towards a little bit more private space in the region in spaces that previously would have been very open just because mm-hmm. of different type of occupier profile, you know, maybe more corporates or people from corporates taking this space, feeling that they want to be, have the ability to have private conversations or whatever. But again, wanting to be around people, which sounds a bit 
dichotomous, but you know what I mean. They, yeah, they just yeah. want to be around people again. They want to be out of the home, but they still need private space to come together. And yeah, from a design perspective, that's a challenge because how do you keep that community sense of co-working going when you're well, doing space? Yeah. And the other thing that I've advised folks, and I really took a lead from Jerome Chang on this, it's like, don't do anything because we don't know what's happening this fall and winter. Like the last thing I want is this thing to come back in any way, shape or form or anybody else for that matter. But we have to be realistic. We could be in another lockdown this winter. We just could be. So yeah. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of being very flexible design wise. Well, at the risk of this turning into an agreement fest, I'm I'm with you again. And but the way I'm seeing it is that the last 18 months have been referred to as an experiment or you know in homeworking. And I but I disagree. I think the, the great workplace experiment starts in September when people then start to figure out what the purpose of the office is again in their lives. And oh, I like that. Do you know what I mean? I think this yeah. is this is and this is the time when the office market finally catches up with other sectors and starts to test what the future looks like. Like in, in flex space, we can do that. We can reconfigure, mm-hmm. we can take different space. You can drop your space within a week and go somewhere else. In real estate strategy, businesses can't do that. They've got to sign up for five, 10 years and then they fix it and they're, they're done. But, but that's come, dead, right? That's, that, that's dead because come September, they're going to put try and get their staff back. If the staff don't like it, they'll vote with their feet and say, actually, we're going to stay at home. They're going to have to try again. So the experiment starts in September. September and it will look very different in two years time than it does now. And that's why it's exciting for flex providers because we have to be part of that mix because we provide the options and we'll let them test on location and type of working and so on. So we'll we'll be critical to be the, the sharp point of the experiment and allow them that agility. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think you guys are kind of this like, I don't want to say sleeper because lots of people know about you guys, but they have no idea how big you guys are and how <laughs> great you guys are doing. So can you tell us a little bit about Instant and where you guys are at? Because I just think people... People are like, oh yeah, those are the guys that give us great data, and they don't really realize how big you guys are. Well, it, it's been yeah, it's been a funny year. So I put that lightly. That's, that's some English understatement for you right there. So we, you know, like all businesses in the office market, I'm sure you've heard this before. We kind of battened down the hatches and prepared for the worst, and thought, let's hold on to our P and L and do everything we can. And yet, we've kind of gone into the pandemic having delivered and managed around three million square feet of space, and it looks like we're going to come out of it managing six million square feet of space globally. You know, we've just finished about half a million square feet in, in Singapore for Amex. You know, and there's more there's more space like that coming, a lot of which I can't mention, but some really amazing deals in the States. So the kind of the managed part of our business is firing really well because clients want those agile options, right? And that's exciting. Yeah. And, um, and is the growth coming from corporate? Yeah. It's coming from corporate and mid-market, but I, mm-hmm. I'll caveat that in a second. So yeah, our, our big blue chip clients, you know, the likes of a, of an Amazon Amex, they're all firing in different ways. You know, some, some are just looking at workspace in a different way, and this has been the opportunity to do it, right? But the other part of the business, the, the kind of lead generation, which spits out the data, which is what you guys probably know us better for, we've had a really remarkable year because we were spending you remember i spoke a juicy about this we were spending mm-hmm. two million more on ppc a year we're not really spending anything on ppc now and we're generating ten thousand leads a month it's still flying because the the demand is so high and we really seem to be tapping into the right sme audience so that that part of the business is absolutely flying too and within those ten thousand leads which would normally be small to medium-sized businesses we're increasingly seeing really chunky requirements coming through like 100 150 desks because it's it's fast growth businesses 
employees who, as I say, are entering the workplace experiment and they definitely don't want to commit to a lease no, right now, but they do want to, they do need to bring staff back together in some form or other. And they're looking for space in global markets come September so they can keep growing. And that's, that's a really interesting part of the business for us right now because it's throwing up all kinds of challenges and, and opportunities. Yeah. It's so interesting because as we all know, corporations move so slowly, but you know, before the pandemic, the biggest problem for all CEOs globally was talent attraction and retention. And that's going to continue after all the COVID stuff is handled. But what's so fascinating now is people have had this taste of freedom and they're not willing to go back. I sat across from my brother at breakfast this morning and he was like, oh my gosh, I got the notification. He works for a very large corporation and it's July 1st when we're recording this. And he has to be back on July 12th. And he was devastated because he's this insanely introverted person who can work absolutely fine at home alone for the rest of his life. He's just that guy. I'm the I'm the opposite. Like if I don't get to a co-working space every other day, I'm not sane. Like I need people. Um, but it's just so fascinating. And what we're finding or what I'm seeing a lot in the press is that like, if you don't listen to these people and give them their freedom to work where they desire to work, they're just voting with their feet. They just walk out the door and go somewhere else. And so for me, people that provide services like you guys do that can be super agile and help these corporations solve these problems, like you got nowhere to go but up. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, anybody to give you a similar anecdote, I, I bumped into a friend in the park last night. We were walking on lockdown puppies, which everyone has, you know, these days. And uh, um, he had a really nice big Irish wolfhound and I had two sausage dogs. So it was a bit of an incongruous mix, that one. But he, he works for a big bank in the city of London and He's, he was beside himself because they've said, right, you've got to be back in the office two days a week and it's fixed. Now, oh, and by the way, your department's day is Friday. And he's like, you're joking me. Nobody stays on Friday. We have to be in on a Friday. Like, <laughs> there's going to be no... But so he's saying half my team are already saying they're going to walk. Like they will. Even though they're, big, they're going to go. And he says, how will I retain them? That What people have learned over the last year, I think, is not necessarily animosity against the office per se. It's animosity against lack of choice. They're, they're freaking out because they're like, I've been able to choose the last year what you're saying i can't choose anymore that, like that's where the problem falls down for me so what was your advice to him ah, well my, <laughs> he he, he, I, he knows what i you know he's had too many boring dinner parties sat next to me talking about workplace <laughs> so he didn't, he didn't want to go down that road with it but he, no he's just saying he's saying what are other what are your clients doing what are other mm. banks up to mm-hmm. and I, I was surprised we, we we work with quite a few big banks and financial services they're not being as rigid as saying defining the day you have to come back. They're saying, but they're saying we do want to see you in two, three days a week because we want to feel you and see you and know how you're doing. I was surprised by that approach to say, no, you're in on a specific day. But that's because the workplace planners and the CRE folk are worried about surge demand. They're worried about too many people coming in on one day and not another. And that's a real issue that we're hearing all the time. Mm. Is how do you plan for that demand come September? If everyone's in on a Tuesday, no one's in on a Friday, how does your space cope with that? And no one really seems to be coming up with many answers within the CRE world, because as I said, they're entering this experimental period of time and they're just thinking, we've got to wait and see how this this pans out and we're going to learn and maybe be prepared to fail for a bit because it's 
It's not going to be easy, is it? You know what? It's funny though. I remember when I was coming up with my co-working space, it was in 2010 and I was doing a bunch of research. And back then there were less than a thousand spaces in the world. And so I, it was just a new industry and I was trying to figure it out. So I talked to the woman that owned the gym I belonged to. And I was like, how do you know how many treadmills to buy? And she said, they've never been full. I've been open for 15 years. It's never been a problem. She's like, literally, just don't worry about it. And like, when it becomes a problem, solve it. And I was like, huh. So I think there's a ton of overthinking going on, which is, you know, part of being a corporation, apparently. But I do think where I see a huge problem with corporates is they're bringing them back to the same office. Like the world has changed dramatically. And quite frankly, when I see plexiglass panels, I'm like, that's so dumb. Like if you think of the virus, like cigarette smoke and how that travels in air, the virus is similar in the way it travels. Like those are just hygiene theater. Like if you want people to come back to your office, make your office better. Like upgrade your coffee area, put in more soft seating, convert rooms into rooms that are just for thinking, provide more services, have more events, like make it more fun. I don't know. That's crazy. But like, to me, I'm, I'm so surprised there isn't more about the giant office redesign because that's what needs to be happening for a lot. I think it's, I think it's a combination of redesign the office Give people flexibility, make those choices easy, and let, let them do what they want. We've proven that they're going to perform no matter what the conditions. Yeah, well, absolutely. But it's a funny you say that, though, because I, I've been asking that question of a lot of CRE folk who I interview. You know, what, what ideas are you having about design? Who from the design community is pushing a new office? What are you hearing? And this may be harsh, but they're kind of like, well, we're not, we haven't heard a great deal. Like, we're not quite sure what's going to happen next. You know, a few of the more progressive ones are trying to come up with much more reconfigurable designs so they could change it quite mm-hmm. quickly, move things around, as you say, move the running machines around so it's it's a better setup for their for their for their customer. But what they're not hearing is, well, could we do things in a radically different way? And that's that's what's surprising. You know, periods of this usually lead to innovation and change. Right. But I'm not, I'm not hearing what that could be as yet from yeah. all the kind of the the critical thinkers or otherwise. Everyone's just still talking about the change, but not talking about what comes after it. And yeah, that's, yeah. yeah I, I, and that, that doesn't worry me. I think the market will find a solution. But if we return back to what went before, that will be when things fall down because everyone will vote again with their feet and say, no way, I'm, right, that, that's right. optimal experience. And I have seen some stuff on like neurodiversity, which I think is a great mm. thing to look at as you redesign. But yeah, I'm I'm like, it's a, it's coming back to that. Like, don't waste a crisis, people. Like, yeah. utilize this time to make shit better. What are you doing? Um, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna leave the fun world of work and real estate and dive a little deeper into you, John. Wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so um, in this time in the pandemic, we all had to learn new ways to cope with mental health. Mm-hmm. So what are what is something you implemented during the pandemic that you're going to make sure you don't lose in regards to your mental health? Uh, me personally, or my or our business. You personally, I would say, if I'm really honest with you, Liz, I, I I've not been good at that during during lockdown, and, and it's my failing. Is I'm probably I'm probably struggling actually mm. with with creating barriers in my day and making it work for me. Like, like 
I find I'm, many people are saying working longer hours and feeling, feeling more pulled in different directions with my work and my family. You know, the kids come home and I want to see them mm-hmm. and I've still got stuff to do. So my working day massively encroaches on my family and my lifestyle time. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm still searching for answers actually in terms of that. Cause I, I, th- I think I'm one of many people to say that I definitely work longer and harder now than I did pre lockdown because my mm-hmm. day has no bookend, which yeah. is, is really, it's probably the honest answer. I, I kind of know what I need to do, which is create more delineation and make sure I book out time for myself. And you know, what in a year and a half of being at home, I think my wife and I have been out for lunch you know, three times together. And surely this is a great opportunity to, to, to do these things. But you know, she's worked downstairs working at the kitchen table. I'm up here working and we mm-hmm. might see each other again at seven. It's crazy. Wow. Right? So, okay. Yeah, so, that's, that's my honest answer. I love your honesty. I love it so much. And here comes the tough love. Like, here's some ideas for you. And I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm just saying I've had to learn these things because I had physical health ramifications when I didn't handle my stress. So I always like am an advocate for it, as you know. So here's a couple of things I highly recommend. One is discover time blocking. Time blocking is amazing. And make sure that you time block your email. Like email can be seen twice a day. That's it. Time blocking. People will start learning that you are not hyper responsive in email, which to me is a huge, stupid time suck. So time block your email, time block your workday. And when it's over, it's over. And that other stuff can wait till the next day. I discovered walks and I know you have dogs. And I found out that walking every single day made a huge difference in my health. And after a year, I craved it. I needed it. I wanted it. And I go when it's not a thousand degrees out. Um, I walk every day. When it is a thousand degrees out, I swim every day. So like, just get a routine. It takes two weeks. And then this big, ugly ring on my finger is called an aura ring. It's O-U-R-A. I don't Mm -hmm. wear a watch, so I can't track everything. And I don't like the Fitbit look. So I got this little ring and I track my sleep because your sleep is so hyper important for you. And I thought I was this great sleeper until I got this ring and figured out I was in bed for eight hours. I wasn't sleeping for eight hours. <laughs> um, so just a few tricks. That's, I know, but just, yeah, yeah. Work the, on the that. The only thing I need to pick up, on, pick up on that with you is that unfortunately sausage dogs, we have two puppies, lockdown puppies, and they're great. But you find that sausage dogs only walk when it's sunny. They won't go out in the rain. So it does actually preclude a lot of Hilarious. walking. They literally won't go out the front door, which is a, a problem <laughs> I need to overcome. So, but that's good tips. Thank you, Liz. Oh, of course. Of course. Okay. Now where in the world was John Williams when he was 12 years old? Well, so funnily enough, I was at my school, uh, which is about 10 miles away from where I live now. And, and going back to your school 35 years later is the creepiest, weirdest thing in the world. <laughs> it's it's all horribly familiar, but then really changed. And yeah. showing your daughter around there is kind of a very proud, slightly scary moment for you both. So I, I walked into my school gates. And my knees started knocking like it was my first day of school again. I couldn't believe it. I was oh, all like that's so cool. on edge. But it's, uh, so that's where I was 12 years ago, um, probably playing cricket or doing something very English and summertime in the rain. I love it. I love it. Now, let's say you could go back to that guy, that little mm. guy, little 12-year-old John, knowing everything you know now, and you can give him a bit of advice. What would you say? Spend a lot more on hair care. Seriously, because, <laughs> you know, if you invest in your hair now, it will pay off 35 years later. That would be no, that's genetic. <laughs> um, I would say, you know, 
what's the way of saying this? Never ever um, pigeonhole yourself or, or box yourself off to possibilities. Always, always mm. keep all your options open. Never feel that there's something you can't do. I think one of the biggest in, in business and in life, as I've learned, you know, I was, I was a journalist in my 20s and it's a great, interesting profession, but it kind of boxes you in. You always think, well, I'm a writer. I can't do anything else. Mm-hmm. And if you told me another 20 years later, I'd be a CMO. I'd have like, been, how? Like, how could you possibly do that? Because you sometimes naturally humans box themselves in and think, right, this is what I do and this is how I do it. And I'd say to all young people who I interview for internships or even for, for jobs is, you know, you could be doing things doing something totally different in a year's time, let alone in a decade's time. So don't feel you do one thing and don't feel that's your only possibility. Possibilities to some degree are, are, lim- are limitless. You could do whatever you want, really. I mean, maybe being George Clooney is a hard benchmark, but you know what I mean? You, you, there is so much out there yeah. to go after. Go after it and don't feel that you've just got that one box that you sit in. I love that so much. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day who is a financial guy and he's running one of the largest film studios in the world. Wow. And um, he was like, I, I don't even know how I ended up here. And I said, I hear you. If you had told me back when I was like in college and journalism that I would be running a global events company, I'd be like, no, I'm not. Or that I'm going to go back to graduate school. I'd be like, no, I'm not. And then here I am. <laughs> exactly that. So, and But you you, you, and he have made choices to get where you got to. You, you can pat yourself on the back and say, I did this. I accomplished mm-hmm. this. Because the other thing I feel sometimes is, was, was it luck? you know how did I get here no no one's that consistently lucky you made choices you worked hard you did the right thing absolutely you to that place yeah so it's, it's getting your head around that and going with it and thinking again things may change again in another year or two I think you know, yeah look, and look being we open were, to when it when we first met you know in in Amsterdam and if you'd said there was gonna be a global pandemic for 18 months and we couldn't travel or do whatever we could do that would have been crazy, but here we are. Here we are, and we survived it. It was exactly, and and things aren't as bad as as we thought they would be when we had these conversations this time last year, right? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, I always love talking to you, John, because you're so smart, you're you're <laughs> so thoughtful, and you're so great about sharing the information you guys have. And I super enjoy our friendship, and I I really appreciate your time today. That's cool, isn't it? Thank you very much indeed. I've always loved you to have a chat, and hopefully one day. Very very soon see you guys in person, right? Oh yeah, it's happening. Be, I, I better bring some sunscreen for Texas, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. Very Thanks cool. so much, John. Thank you for joining us for Workplace Trends. We are so excited that you joined us. Please make sure you hit the subscribe button and follow us to learn more about the future of work, the future of co-working and the flexible workspace industry. We'll see you next time for season four.